0: I'm Mary Parker, and welcome to this episode of Eureka's Sounds of Science. Food security is a growing global concern because obviously we all need to eat. In order to protect our crops from pests, companies are constantly developing newer and safer fungicides and pesticides. In order to increase yield, they are also developing better fertilizers. However, in order to not contribute to the problem of pollution and global warming, these agrochemicals have to be tested. That's where places like Charles River's Edinburgh site come in. Here, among acres of fields and greenhouses, the latest agrochemicals are thoroughly vetted for toxicity. Do they seep into the groundwater? Do they linger in the plant, causing issues for the human or animal that eventually eats it? Do they poison the plant's pollen, causing harm to already vulnerable pollinators? These questions and more must be answered before the agrochemical is approved for use. Joining me today is Simon Chaplio, Functional Manager of the Plant Metabolism Department here in Edinburgh. He is here to tell me about the exotic crops they house and how they keep them safe and sustainable. Welcome, Simon. Thank you, Mary. Thank you. Welcome to me, actually, because I'm here joining you as opposed to the other way around. welcome Mary. Thank you. <laughs> so uh, to begin with, can you tell me a bit about the site here and how long it's been in operation?
1: Certainly. Well, this site has been operating since the 1970s mm-hmm. and Plant Metabolism, the operation for which I'm responsible, has been operating since the 1980s.
0: Okay. How long have you worked at this particular site?
1: I've been working here since the late 1980s.
0: Okay. What? This is kind of a off topic a bit. What are some of the Biggest changes that you've noticed in that time?
1: Biggest changes here are we've purchased more sites within Charles River, which has enabled my operation to expand from just Edinburgh to Edinburgh and North Spain, which has enabled us to grow more crops. We've also had different types of studies required. We've also needed to look at residues which are lower and lower so, and we've had to identify lower and lower residues so the types of analytical techniques that we've had to develop and purchase and reflect have become more and more
0: um refined yeah yeah i guess technology has also just gotten better yeah so that you can detect smaller and smaller amounts of these things exactly good so do you have any legacy crops that have been here for a long time
1: um, yes, we have an, a- an orchard here, an orchard of 24 apple trees hmm. that we can use when necessary. We ha- also have an established field area, so a grassland field area, which is agricultural provenance for around three decades. And most of the crops that we grow are grown from seed or can be purchased locally or sourced from abroad.
0: Okay, Tell me about some of the more exotic plants you keep here.
1: So we support the global agrochemical industry. We often need to grow crops which are foreign to the UK, or even foreign to Europe. For example, one of the most common crops that we grow is rice, to support Far Eastern uses. Mm -hmm. But we have a long list of unusual crops such as banana, citrus, grapevines, mango, sugarcane. The plants can be grown in temperature controlled glasshouses to simulate growing conditions. Here in the UK, we've got about 30 glasshouse rooms, which we can use when a study cannot be conducted out of doors.
0: I understand from someone else who I was talking to earlier that the glass in the glasshouses can quite vary. So you've got the typical glass, but then you've got like, what do you say, quartz glass? Yes. It's very expensive, but allows UV through. Yeah. And also some sort of special type of plastic that also allows the UV through, but has a short lifespan.
1: Yes, that's true. That sounds pretty cool. (laughs) Yeah.
0: So I understand we have sister sites, like you said, in northern Spain. Do we use them to get a sense of how these chemicals behave in a variety of climates?
1: Yes. We have another site at Yeda in the north of Spain, Mm -hmm. and that's operated by a field trials department. Wherever possible, we will run a study out of doors rather than in a glass house, because an outdoor study is exposed to natural sunlight so the in life phase of a study with a crop like citrus, mm-hmm. cotton, olives would be in Spain, whilst that for a crop like wheat or sugar beet would be here in
0: Edinburgh. Okay. I guess it makes sense you want to mimic real world conditions as much as possible? Absolutely. What is your background for this work? Why line of why this line of work? Mm-hmm. Why agriculture?
1: So I joined Charles River having completed doctoral and postdoctoral studies in plant metabolism at Southampton University and that gave me 4 years training in the underlying principles of plant metabolism and in the very specific analytical approaches associated with this type of work.
0: A couple of terms that come up pretty often when I've been looking at your work are metabolites and the radio labeling. Can you explain what a metabolite is, why it's important for the for the testing and then can you explain the radio labeling a little bit?
1: So a metabolite is a degradation product from in this case an agrochemical which is formed from the biological system in this case the plant
0: okay and the radio labeling you do how does that work it's applied to the chemical or mixed with the chemical but then it's able to be tracked through the whole plant
1: so we use a test item which has a radio label inserted into the chemical structure of it okay so the vast majority of agrochemicals are organic So we will use a carbon-14 isotope inserted into that organic structure.
0: And that just makes it easier for the instruments to pick up where the chemical has moved through the plant?
1: It makes it easy to trace where that molecule goes and also to accurately quantify
0: it. All right, excellent. So what kind of tests do you run on the plants here?
1: The main studies we run investigate plant metabolism. So that's The metabolism of an agrochemical after application to crops and sometimes after application to soil. We use radiolabel test item and we use that to enable accurate metabolite analysis and it's applied to the crop in a manner similar to how the molecule would be used in the field. Greatest importance is on the parts of the crops harvested for human and livestock consumption, what we would call the raw agricultural commodities.
0: Can you define that a little bit more? So... Raw agricultural commodities?
1: So if you go into a supermarket, a banana fruit is a raw agricultural commodity. Okay. An apple fruit is a raw agricultural commodity. The leaves from these crops would not be an agricultural commodity. Okay. They don't go into human or livestock food consumption.
0: Okay. Would it also be called a live agricultural commodity if it was like... Banana pudding that have been a little it would bit be processed. Derived from one, yes. Okay. Yeah. Interesting.
1: And so would something like wheat hay because livestock are feeding on it.
0: Okay. So could you go into detail about one of these tests? Just to give us an idea of, of the level of complexity.
1: Sure. I'll I'll choose our most challenging.
0: <laughs> <laughs> all right, go for it.
1: Our most challenging studies are rotational crop metabolism studies, okay. and these simulate several real life agricultural scenarios all in one study. Multiple containers of soil are treated with the radiolabelled agrochemical. and Crops are then sown into this treated soil, usually at one month, four months, and nine to twelve months after treatment. Mm-hmm. The crops are then grown on to maturity. Typically, we will use a cereal like wheat, a root crop like radish, and a leafy vegetable like lettuce. And we will take harvests like forage, hay, straw, grain, leaves, root tubers, that sort of thing for analysis. In this study, parent molecule can be degraded to soil metabolites by bacteria and fungi living in the soil. The parent molecule and these soil metabolites can also be taken up into the crops and subjected to plant metabolism. Also, if soil metabolism is extensive and radio-labeled carbon dioxide is generated, then we will find radio-labeled natural products in the plants. So, for example, starch in the grain proteins etc so the actual metabolic pathway can be very extensive lots and lots of different metabolites which require quantification and identification so the vast majority of work on these studies is not spent on the live phase it's spent in the laboratory developing extraction chromatography and identification techniques
0: all right so How do you see this work fitting into Charles River's larger goal of supporting sustainability?
1: For me, I believe the use of agrochemicals in agriculture offers considerable benefits by contributing to a sustainable production of food and feed. Mm -hmm. Across the globe, governments set high standards for the registration of agrochemicals to ensure they meet current health, environmental and safety standards, the work that the plant metabolism department does contributes massively to human dietary safety since we define what metabolites are formed in foodstuffs. Without a good understanding of how an agrochemical behaves after using crops, we cannot make judgments on if it is suitable for use and how to monitor those foodstuffs derived from that crop.
0: I did want to ask some follow-up questions about like, specifically how to care for some of the more exotic plants. So, like, for example, we can go with the bananas... I understand bananas are a tropical product, mm-hmm. so how how many different variables do you have to take into consideration when you're trying to grow them in Scotland okay, which about as opposite from tropical as you can get?
1: The biggest challenge to growing bananas in Scotland is uh, well, there are several, but <laughs> let's deal with them as as we we see them. The first <laughs> one is getting them, so we got our bananas from the Canary Islands, which are off the west coast of Africa, and we Purchased those, brought them into the south of Spain and then brought them into the UK. And that probably took three to four months to set up. Um, we also need high specification glass houses, which we have on site here, um, with heating, lighting, watering, and people who have an understanding of the horticulture. Um, yeah, that's it.
0: Does a horticulturist need to be specialized in something like that, or is that part of the general curriculum?
1: Someone who is training in horticulture is not easy to find. <laughs> um, they're not. Su- they're not a gardener. There's mm-hmm. someone who can grow a plant and maintain a plant throughout its life cycle. And the type of plants that we grow here are not necessarily Scottish. So we need people who will be able to grow anything from bananas to wheat to sugar beet to rice. Mm-hmm.
0: Well thank you so much for taking the time to talk with me Simon it's it's been really interesting to visit the site here in Edinburgh
1: Good and thank you
0: Thank you